0: Okay, and welcome to uh, the second podcast, Fast Jet Performance 2, how a fast jet pilot returns to high performance flying after a time off. A bit of a longer read today, probably about 15 minutes. I'll talk quickly. As I said, you can download one of those podcast apps and you'll be able to speed me up to one and a half times and you'll be able to get this done quicker if you want. I've recently been away from work for a couple of weeks, having to take some remaining leave before the deadline of 31st of March when all leave resets. I've done a few things. I went on a long hike with the wife, went to see some family, that sort of thing. But when you're away from the cockpit for any period of time, you have to come down from the level that you've been operating at. Conversely, before you go back to work, you need to re-energize yourself to get back up to speed. This is the same with any job. The more complicated the profession, the harder it is to switch off when on holiday. Some people take a few days to fully relax, and some need longer. One of my pilots will only take his holidays over two weeks, as he says that he can't fully switch off from work with only one. When i was a student pilot i would sometimes not be able to switch off at all or find that i could be quite relaxed by the tuesday of my holiday but by the thursday i was starting to think about the cockpit again and would get worked up about it training as a fast jet pilot has to be one of the most uncomfortable and stressful things that you can do it only takes one failed trip for the instructor's eyes to start looking in your direction and if you don't pass the next trip then you're definitely in trouble so how do i get myself back into the groove after a layoff so how do i get myself back into the groove after a layoff as it stands, tomorrow, I have an emergency sim, which is a 60-day currency that tests me on my emergency handling. Fast jets can be complicated little things, and the Hawk T2 is no exception. Although the aircraft has two cockpits in tandem, the simulator has only the front cockpit represented. We have two simulators on the squadron. They are called full mission simulators, or FMS, and you have to wear your full aircraft equipment assembly, or AEA, when in them. This means that you have to dress as if you were going to fly the actual aircraft wearing a flying helmet, mask, life jacket and G pants. The FMS isn't a motion simulator as these tend to be used for multi-engine aircraft to simulate asymmetric thrust, which as long as you're not flying a camera, SR-71 or Mavericks F-14 and Top Gun should not present too many issues in modern faster aviation. The FMS has 360 degree visuals, and we use it to not only prepare students for an airborne sortie, but also to consolidate the students' learning at the end of the flying phase. The FMS can be the last event on the air combat maneuvering ACM phase, for example. But unlike the Hawk T1 on our sister squadron, we also have six flying training devices, FTDs, which are very similar to the FMS, but are an extension of something that we used to use in the old days, which was the cardboard cockpit. The cardboard cockpit is just that. It is a cardboard representation of the aircraft's cockpit. And in the good old days, you issued one to learn your checks on when you're in ground school and before you started flying. On the Hawk T2, we don't have these anymore and we use the FTDs instead. The FTD is something that you can sit in without all of your flight gear on and practice your checks, but it also flies like the FMS. It isn't a truly representative flight model. For example, it will climb faster than the actual aircraft, but it has 90% of the switches you'd find in the actual airplane. It has three touchscreen monitors that you can set up the multifunction displays or MFDs with. The MFDs are like very small monitors that show things such as your weapon stores page, moving map, synthetic radar display, and even your hydraulic status page, as there is no analog display for this anymore. The great thing is that you can pretty much use the FTDs at any time to practice any of your checks. In the FTDs you can even get airborne and practice your circuits or link them up and just chase your course mates around the sky hoping that an instructor doesn't walk in and tell you to all stop acting like children. So the FTD and before that the cardboard cockpit are two great ways to practice getting back to speed with the complicated task of flying the Hawk T2. But at home I don't have a cardboard cockpit as none were made for the Hawk T2 and the FTDs are well at the squadron. So how else might I work myself back up for the simulator tomorrow? When you're learning to fly for the first time this might be on gliders at 16 or on a light aircraft in the military stroke civilian flight school later on your instructor will introduce the notion of chair flying to you chair flying is a very powerful tool which allows you to imagine yourself actually in the aircraft practicing whatever it is you're needing to do on your next assessed sortie the cardboard cockpit was actually very good in this respect as you could touch the printed dials and switches and instill some aspect of muscle memory into a check sequence Chair flying is a visualisation technique that pilots, racing drivers, public speakers and sportspersons have all used to enhance their performances. When I prepare for a complicated sortie or have been out of the cockpit for longer than a week, I will invest time in visualising that return to the cockpit. This is also essential if your flying rate, the number of hours you fly per month, is low. It is critical that a pilot keeps themselves up to speed, and each person will have subtly different ways of doing it. I prefer to give myself an hour alone with my flight reference cards or frc's these are the checklists for handling and emergencies that can affect the aircraft i then use the overview preview in view and review process overview i normally go through each card first skim reading them really this i call an overview unlike another aircraft the checks that are done in fast jets are not routinely done from the cards. This is not true on the Tornado GR4, as the Weapon Systems Officer, or WIZO, will initiate a and response from the FRCs. But on single-seat aircraft and fast jet training aircraft, such as the Hawk T2, your FRCs are unlikely to be used in flight at all. All of your drills are memorized, as there is rarely enough time or space in the cockpit to be dragging your check cards out the whole time. It is important then that you are familiar with the cards in case you need to use them. This overview is a process of just looking at the layout of the normal drill cards and looking through the boldface emergencies. The boldface emergencies are the drills that a pilot or WIZO must know verbatim. Students are routinely challenged on their bowl face drills at the morning meteorological brief on airborne sorties and in an emergency simulator just like mine tomorrow. As part of my overview, I'll imagine me getting into my flight gear, going to the operations room, signing the jet out and then walking out to the aircraft. I might even look at tomorrow's weather so I can forecast what runway you might be on and can plan which way I will taxi out the line. I will imagine doing my initial checks, the aircraft walk around and strapping into the ejection seat. I will visualize the dials and displays in front of me. I'll think about what radio calls I need to make before engines start and I might even look at the flying program if it's been emailed out the night before to see what call sign I'll be using so I can practice using it. It all helps to build a mental picture. If I had a cardboard cockpit, I'd use that some people close their eyes but you need to make the environment as similar to the one you'll be in when you're actually doing the event this is why using a simulator to practice all the ftds on the squadron is so good when chair flying there's little point in having music playing in the background if there isn't going to be music in your aircraft we're not on easyjet here well not yet anyway i might practice my startup and pre takeoff checks here too but i don't go any further than visualizing lining up on the runway i then visualize that i just landed and i was taxiing back in I'd go through those checks too, right up to and including vacating the aircraft and walking back in. Personally, I separate the actual airborne content and save that for the preview. It just works better for me that way. You might like to do it differently. Preview. If you were looking at a textbook, the overview would have been to look at the front and back covers and maybe the index. The preview extends on this. Now you'd read the first and last paragraph of each chapter. In the world of aviation, this is the bit where I'd look at the sortie content. I'd write this down on an A4 piece of paper as a list. Something like what I've written below. It's on the website. I'm reading it from now. What I've written here things like startup taxi takeoff. It's a list of about eight or nine points. Standard instrument departure. Uh, hazel checks. These are checks that we perform on every sortie to make sure that we are tolerant to the effects of G and that our, our things are working properly and we're in a safe area. Stall. Uh, Max performance maneuvers, spin, low level, instrument recovery, and I've written circuits, normal, low level circuit, maybe a flapless straighten approach. This is things that, uh, these are things that we do in the the Hawk T2. In view. So, the preview part gave me some more information that I can now visualize a sortie in more detail. The in view part is where I fill in the blank spaces. I'd get my charts out and read up on the standard instrument departure that I might be flying anticipating things like level off heights, radio calls, power settings required. I'd go and make sure I know my hazel T checks and practice them so they are fluid. Height, airframe, security for an inverted check, location, lookout and TCAS. I'd read up on what the stool entails, what is the flight profile? I would draw that flight profile out and then I'd run it through, moving my hands to where the gear and the flap levers are. i even go as far as to anticipate the trim changes required. Are they pitch up or pitch down? I'd read up on the mass performance maneuvers and then think about the air I need to fly to in order to get my spin done. I need to be above 25,000 feet to enter my spin. So I'll need a handover to a different air traffic agency for that. And I can practice that radio call now so I don't stumble over it tomorrow. I'd read and write about all of the sortie content and put it on an A4 piece of paper. It'll become a crib sheet that I can look at before the sortie briefing tomorrow. Some people use a mind map, but I prefer a list of how the sortie will flow. It is also critical to think of your link flying here. How are you going to transition from one event to the next? Will you speed up or slow down? Change height or transit to a different piece of airspace? Review. This step is the most critical one, I normally do this twice, once after the in-view, and then I repeat it prior to the sortie briefing the next day to refresh my knowledge. The review is looking at that A4 piece of paper on which you have written a crib sheet that will help to jog your memory the next day. Take this opportunity to add any more information that you feel might be pertinent to the sortie you're about to fly. And that's it. Put the crib sheet somewhere safe. Take a break, and don't spend longer than an hour on this. The mind gets tired after thirty minutes, so maybe do the overview preview, have a tea break, in view review, and only then can you go back and watch cats falling off chairs on YouTube. Visualization is a powerful tool that, used correctly, can really improve your chances of success in the cockpit and in business. Remember, you lose half your capacity when you put on your flight helmet and strap a jet plane to your back. It's the same in business. Don't wait until you're making that sale or giving that presentation, it'll be too late and you'll look like an idiot. Practice is your friend. Until we slip the surly bonds of earth again, fly safe.